And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to this morning's show. Of course, it's Monday as we get ready to wrap up the month. Yep, hard to believe. Uh, Friday, September the 1st. Got Labor Day coming up this weekend. Long weekend for everybody. So... Hope you have some plans this weekend to enjoy it a bit. Um, been getting a little bit of rain here lately. So, you know, I, have you noticed um, there was a very interesting article in Statista today um, actually talking about all the discoveries around the world because of droughts. So we're, we're all, we're all going to die from lack of water, but we're finding some really cool stuff like a Spanish Stonehenge, yeah. new dinosaur tracks down in, di- in the, the Dinosaur State Park. It's like just before you go, take a look at this. I know. It's like, hey, check this out. <laughs> like, a, like there's a whole like Roman city they found. I mean, just all kinds of really cool stuff. Oh, and the dead bodies in Lake Mead. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's, that's but we knew those were there. I mean... <laughs> How many mob movies have we seen where they're like, you know, shooting people and throwing them into the lake and stuff? I mean, that was just. But now you know, you know where. But now you know where. The only the ones they haven't found are the one in the desert outside of Las Vegas. Hey, so. I'm waiting for Jimmy Hoffa to show up. Yeah, it, it's any day now. So anyway, lots of stuff going on. Of course, big news on Friday was Jerome Powell. And everybody was kind of expecting Jerome Powell and the Jackson Hole Summit to be pretty much a nothing burger. And on, you know, on, on Thursday, the markets had a very sharp rally, got above the 20-day moving average. Everybody very excited, thinking that uh, Jerome Powell was not going to say anything exciting at all. Uh, and Jerome Powell came out, pretty much just dissed that whole issue, uh, you know, just threw cold water on the whole kind of bullish meme that a pivot was coming. There's no sign of a pivot anytime soon. And with that, markets sold off very sharply on Friday breaking back down below the 20-day moving average and looking to potentially today test the 50-day moving average. Now, you know, we've talked about this over the course of the last you know week or so, talking about this rally. We'd run right up in the 200-day moving average. Market had gotten very overbought. Um, we had triggered sell signals on multiple levels. And, and again, that was applying pressure to the markets. Now, markets are oversold here very short term. A lot of selling pressure on Friday. But again, these sell signals and negative money flows certainly in place right now, putting downward pressure on stocks this morning. Like I said, futures are pointing lower um, this morning. Uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, et cetera, also trading a lot lower in sympathy with stocks. But importantly, a couple of things going on here to pay attention to. And, you know, we've talked about some of these issues before. Again, markets have been, you know, had a very strong rally. Now, I thought it was interesting this morning on CNBC they were having, well, yeah, the markets sold off on Friday. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But the good news is the Dow's still up 8% from its July lows. Yeah, we're still up. We haven't given all those back up yet. But as we've said before, the 50-day moving average, which, again, uh, markets this morning, S&P's pointing down about 43 points. Uh, the Dow's down about 300 this morning uh, in terms of futures. Now, that may improve as we get closer to the open, but that's where we are right now. You know, the, the point here, though, is that if we break that 50-day moving average, very likely we're going to retest those July lows. And that's really kind of been the concern here. And particularly with these sell signals in place, we haven't, you know, that's, you know, these are still at very high levels. There's still more work to do in these sell signals, um, you know, for, the, for stocks to go uh, a little bit lower here. One of the other kind of interesting points also, 
is that we have continued to maintain this head and, and shoulders pattern that you know we, we started building back earlier this year. You know, when we back in August, October, September, October, we kind of built that left shoulder. The head came along, uh, you know, right there in December, early January, with the right shoulder in that rally in March. We broke that kind of neckline support, which is where the market rallied to and failed last week. So now we have a very important test and failure of that neckline of that head and shoulders pattern. So what that suggests though, that again, you know, we start looking back down here towards, you know, 3,900, 3,800 on the S&P as a potential target, at least for a, a failed head and shoulders pattern. Again, we take out these lows back from July, uh, that's gonna be much more concerning uh, and suggest a, a, a good bit lower to go on stocks if we do break those lows. So again, we're kind of in a very tenuous point. I just, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to scare you into doing anything bad. Um, you know, no, this doesn't mean go sell everything you own, but it is worth at least paying attention to. The last time that we had this type of, of pattern where you had a, a, a very strong bull market that ended in a head and shoulders pattern and a failed neckline was in 2007, eight with the whole Bear Stearns issue. And of course, you know, that led up into a decline in the markets. Now, ultimately that decline was exacerbated by the Lehman uh, failure. And again, that occurred after that failure. But again, the, the point here is, is that when you have these kind of confirmed head and shoulder tops, it is something worth paying attention to. Does it absolutely mean that the markets are going lower? No, it does not. Does it mean we're in a bear market? No, it does not. These things can reverse themselves. If we get a rally back above the neckline, the markets make new highs for some reason. You know, this whole pattern's negated. It's, and, and again, these technical patterns, that they're just warning signs or just things that say, hey, you know what? There is some pressure in the markets we need to be paying attention to. That's all it means. Doesn't mean anything dire, the end of the world is coming, nothing at all, but it is worth paying attention to. It does set up some very uh, important levels that we need to be paying attention to. As I said, these July lows are now critically important. This 50-day moving average is gonna be very important over the next couple of days. If we fail to hold those, we've got some more things to think about. But again, don't over, you know, don't over exaggerate things just because we're in a tough market right now. Don't make big moves as is always the case. You know, investing in the markets is like football. It's a game of inches. So it's small moves. Small moves you know, help us kind of mitigate that risk and navigate accordingly. Making really big moves can put you on the wrong side of the table very quickly. And that's the last thing you want to do because once you get off sides, it's very hard to get back on sides. Um, outside of that though, you know, a lot of things, to, you know, again, we're kind of wrapped up earnings season, not a lot of earnings out over the next you know, few, few days, really kind of focusing back now on really kind of the economic data, which is not great. Economic data continues to be weak here. Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index out today. All the manufacturing indexes continue to show weakness, continue to show problems with prices paid, price deliveries, uh, supply chain disruptions still in the works in a lot of cases. Savings of households now back to lower levels than we saw back even in 2015, 2016. So all that exacerbated savings that individuals had because of all the checks into households, that's all gone now. Uh, real spending, real incomes continue to be very weak. Again, this is all gonna kind of relay into that economic data. And as we talk about that weaker economic data, that translates ultimately into earnings. And earnings estimates, as, as we talked about before, and I'm writing an, article, an updated article on this now, 
is that earnings estimates are still very high. Uh, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they're still estimating $230, $240 a share in earnings for the S&P 500 going into the end of 2023. And with the Fed, you know, now aggressively, you know, at least at least slated to aggressively hike rates, uh, there's about an 80% probability the Fed will hike 75 basis points in September. That's just in the next meeting coming up. So with the Fed hiking rates, trying to tighten monetary policy, again, big dependence on debt for households, lack of savings, all suggest that consumption has got to come in. Well, consumption's where earnings come from. And again, estimates still seem very high. And again, with estimates very high, that does suggest that, that stocks are still overvalued relative to what forward earnings are actually going to be. So again, downward, downward revision and prices to align with weaker earnings certainly still seems to be a real probability. So again, just we want to be cautious here. We, again, I just want to restress this. Don't take this information and say, oh, oh no, Lance said the bear market's coming and it's here. I'm not saying that at all. I am saying that there's stuff here to be concerned about. Keep a watch on. We'll talk more about this this morning. Got lots of stories to get into with you here on The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA Advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. So just up on the news a second ago was a uh, <clears throat> headline, 64-year-old man in a wheelchair robbed in subway in New York. Just kind of funny because over the weekend was a police officer on one of the social media channels and he was talking about the irony of the world today. And he said that he just received a request from a group that was going to protest for defund the police. And they were requesting police presence for security. <laughs> so, can't make that kind of stuff up. <laughs> Wonder how that's going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder if the police will show up. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry we show up, but we've been defunded. Uh, just it's just funny. People don't really think. And, and this is the problem with all this stuff, right? It's uh, you know people really don't think things through very well. It all sounds great on the surface. Yeah, defund the police. Uh, that's great until you don't have police. You know, you know we want free money. That's awesome until you get inflation. You know, we want free college, and that's great until you realize that you just drove the college cost up even more. You know, it, it's just you know it, nobody thinks. And this is the problem with all this stuff is that nobody really thinks these things through. Um, you know, logically says, okay, if I do this, what is the consequence of that? And and that's going to be kind of one of the the interesting issues of, of all these things. Because, you know, again, when you start talking about, and we talked, we, you know, talked about last week, this whole idea of, you know, free college tuition. Sounds great. I just want to know what strippers are going to do now that they don't have to pay for their education anymore. So... <laughs> I know. Bad joke. Sorry. 
No, my mic button is off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, just just joking. But there are a lot of uh, a lot of there are a lot of uh, side effects, obviously, from you know free college tuition. And now, now there's estimates that this paying you know this write off of ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars worth of college debt will actually wind up costing nearly a trillion dollars by the time it's all said and done. So. Um, you know, the, and, and again, in a lot of cases, it, it doesn't really help those that need the help, right? Most of this is going to benefit upper income earners that, you know, have their college degrees, et cetera, and, and are doing well and really don't need the help. And as we talked about before, then there's a lot of people very upset for the fact that they paid their way through school. You know, they worked multiple jobs, saved up money, paid their way through school, and they get nothing. Yeah. So, you know, there's all these unintended. Again, this is the whole point of this is that all these decisions that are made by politicians and kind of the the rush to get votes or in the heat of the moment because, you know, we're having an economic downturn or whatever, rather than stepping back and saying, okay, look, let's let's evaluate the situation. And we will help where we need to help. Right. Look, there's 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 no nobody's against right? Nobody's against helping people that need help, right? You know, nobody thinks that way. But the question is, is how do we do this and help the people that need help without completely, you know, messing up the entire economy? And more importantly, just running up trillions in debt. And that's, you know, and and again, the longer term consequences of, of debt are the problem. And it's interesting. The reason I bring this up this morning is that there was a very interesting chart out by Pew Research, and Pew had done some research on people's discouragement with their political affiliation, right? The number, there is now almost 30% of those polled don't like either party, right? Uh, you know, we have a two-party system, Republicans and Democrats. Two third, uh, basically, a third of people don't like either party. Right. They're just fed up with it. They're, they're fed up with all the nonsense. And again, the, the, the further that we go down a lot of these things, you know, the further that frustration gets. Now, why is this important and how does this affect markets? You cannot separate what goes on politically from the financial markets. Because it is those very actions that wind up ultimately impacting the economy. And again, we just talked about Federal Reserve this weekend. Right. Jackson Hole Summit. Everybody was focused on what Jerome Powell said, but everybody missed what the ECB said, which was even worse than what Jerome Powell said. But these are the consequences that we're now dealing with. All that free money sounded great at the time. Nobody realized they were going to pay it back. Right. You're giving me a free check to my household. I'm going to run out and buy a new computer. I'm going to buy a you know, new car, buy a new lawnmower, whatever. Nobody said it was going to pay that money back. And while technically you're not paying it back to the government, you're paying it back through inflation. But again, this is the, the unintended consequence of trying to do things. And, you know, the, the ramification of Economics 101 was clear, right? Right up front. I mean, we wrote articles you know, almost immediately after we started talking about doing these Stimulus checks and all this stuff saying, hey, the unintended consequence of this is going to be a surge in economic growth and then a crash. Because that's the way money works. 
And, you know, nobody liked those comments and everybody was much more enthused with getting the free checks to households. But here's the consequence. So, again, you know, it's, it's often important that, you know, when we take a look at, you know, government actions and, and, and politics in general, it does have an impact on ultimately the financial markets and the economy. Because, again, where do earnings come from? Earnings just don't magically appear out of nowhere. And that's why the, that's why there's this problem that exists on Wall Street where they're saying, well, you know, earnings are just going to keep growing at 15 percent a year. Or pick some random number. And every year we're just going to keep making more companies just keep making more and more earnings every year. It's just going to. And so we can justify higher prices because if we use forward operating earnings estimates, which are these kind of pie in the sky numbers that have no attachment to reality. You know, if we just assume that companies can make an extra 10% next year on their profits and earnings, well, pff, you know, we can pay more for stocks. And that's all fine and, and great until you realize that where do earnings come from? Again, earnings just don't magically show up from somewhere. They have to be generated. And where do those earnings generate from? They come from what we spend. It's companies buying commodities and product parts and 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 materials that they need to produce their product to sell to their end consumer which could be a wholesaler could be a retailer which is then sold selling something to an individual but that whole pipeline right from creation to delivery is where earnings come from and it's basically a supply demand and balance. The more demand there is, the more stuff that people produce, the more that they sell, the more revenue they make, the more revenue they make after they subtract out their earnings and I'm sorry, subtract out their interest and their depreciation and their taxes and, and their cost of goods sold and all that to get down to bottom line earnings. But these bottom line earnings don't magically just show up. They have to be created from revenues. And the economy is where those revenues come from. It's economic activity. It's what you and I buy. We've talked about this before. And so the problem with a lot of this is that, you know, as we, we, we have this expectation that, well, stocks can only go up because, well, that's what we've been taught over the last 10 years because of the Federal Reserve doing, you know, just unprecedented amounts of monetary liquidity. Balance sheet expansion, zero interest rates, bailing out the junk bond market, you know, bailing out the bond market from time to time. Every time markets get a little bit weak, they would come rushing in with more quantitative easing. And now they've got a $9 trillion balance sheet. And they're going, well, what do I do with this thing? And, you know, that's the problem. And now we're to the point of the now what moment, right? Now what are you going to do? This morning on CNN right now, they're interviewing Elizabeth Warren, and she's like, the Fed comments could tip the economy into a recession. No, not as comments. It's actions. His comments aren't going to tip the economy into a recession. The actions will. And he's going to keep hiking rates. And as he said this weekend, very clearly, and, and if you haven't had a chance to get by our website yet, this weekend our newsletter is out just uh Go to realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the newsletter link at the top. And there's a very important quote about 
few sentences down from the top. This is Jerome Powell's message on Friday. Restoring price stability will take some time and requires using our tools forcefully to bring demand and supply into better balance. Now think about that for a moment. We're going to use our tools, and it's going to take some time to bring supply and demand back into balance. So why is bringing supply and demand back into, into balance important? Because that's where inflation comes from. Too much demand, too little supply, you get inflation. How do you bring those back in line? Well, if I have too much supply and too much demand, I've got to bring one of them down, right? And if I want to bring inflation down, I need more supply than I need demand. So he's got to effectively reverse the supply-demand structure in the economy. Reducing, he goes on to say, reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below-trend growth. Now, his hope is that he can grow the economy at a slower rate without getting into a recession. Sounds great on the surface, but when your natural growth rate is currently about 2%, staying out of a recession becomes very difficult. As, as I've said before, pre-2000, the idea of a 2% growth rate in the economy was terrifying. It was called pre-recessionary growth. If you're at 2%, you're not growing fast enough to absorb population growth. And so economists and politicians were terrified of 2% growth because that's pre-recessionary. Now, we're just hoping we can get to 2% growth. Staying out of recession becomes very tough in that environment. We'll be right back, pick up some more on this and what Jerome Powell said this weekend. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Six thirty-three this morning here on the Real Investment Show with your daily affirmation tip. Counting to ten only makes it premeditated. So, <laughs> just saying. So, talking about for the break, um, you know, a bit about you know what's going on with you know Jackson Hole and and particularly with. Um, Jerome Powell comments he was making again. To, you go to our if you go to our website this morning, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, click on our newsletter link, and I, I go through a little bit of this in the newsletter this weekend. 
And talking about what Jerome Powell said specifically that spooked the market so much, but I'm going to tell you this, it wasn't just Jerome Powell. You know, he said that it was, it was very interesting as we finished up the last segment talking about is that, you know, when the economy is growing at 2% in terms of a growth rate, Jerome Powell said that reducing inflation is likely to cause the economy to grow at below trend growth. Well, when you're, a, when you're below 2, if, that's, if trend growth is 2, which it is, below trend doesn't leave you a lot of room before you get below 0. So it doesn't take much of a policy mistake to get you into a recession pretty quick. So the, the risk of recession is certainly elevated as the Fed continues to hike rates. And again, to his point, reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of low trend growth. Moreover, there will likely be some softening of labor market conditions. In other words, unemployment going up. He goes on to state. While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. Now, does that sound like the type of environment that can support 30 times earnings on stocks? Or $240 in earnings for 2023 on stocks? And this is what markets have to figure out. And figure out pretty quickly. And at this point, and again, why the market sold off so hard on Friday was because of the statement. There was no pivot in this statement, right? The markets have been rallying since the bottom of July on hopes of this Fed pivot. The Fed was going to come out and say, yeah, we're kind of close to uh, maybe stopping hiking rates, kind of see what's going to go on a little bit. We'll just kind of hang out here. They didn't say that at all. And again, like I said, it wasn't just Jerome Powell. What, you know, while everybody was kind of focused on what Jerome Powell was saying, they missed what the ECB said, the European Central Bank. The ECB said that at their next meeting, they are also going to hike interest rates more sharply and engage in quantitative tightening. They're going to start reducing liquidity as well. The ECB QT piece, ECB QT plus. <laughs> it's a whole new acronym. ECB QT, A, B, C, D. Um, anyway, it was ECB QT piece that came out in the afternoon and ECB officials Holzman and not confirming the morning leak from Reuters when they said Friday afternoon that 75 basis points should be considered at the September meeting that fueled the ECB angst in equities as well. It is clear now on September the 8th, the ECB is going to hike and signal QT at the same time. Italy is having elections a few weeks later. Now, remember Mario Draghi, who was the former head of the ECB, is now the leader in Italy, and he is pretty much effectively out of power. And Italy is uh, potentially going to head back into a more austerity-driven path away from Mario Draghi's, you know, kind of loose left pocket when it comes to money. You know, the other thing is, is that nobody is really paying a whole lot of attention to the energy crisis that's going on in Europe. People in Poland are lining up for days to buy coal because they can't get it. You know, um, 
countries are now looking to restore nuclear energy, trying to figure out other alternative methods to this whole idea because this whole green energy transformation thing has now run into the, it was the inevitable outcome, which is, you know, it's great to have green energy and it's, and it's all fine and dandy in theory, just doesn't produce enough and doesn't produce efficiently enough to support the demand that's on the grid. It's going to be a problem here in Texas. Texas Bitcoin miners are now requesting as much use of electricity as New York State. And again, you know, we have an isolated power grid in Texas, and the question is, can we support that, right? And everybody else's needs. You know, you kind of remember, you don't have to go back too far to remember that freeze that we had back a few a couple of years ago where we lost power for several days all across the state. Nobody enjoyed that very much at all. But, you know, we've got a lot of problems that are coming down the pike here in terms of decisions that we're making that are, and this goes back to our previous conversation this morning, these are all those, those decisions that we're making that are not well thought out, not academically supported in a lot of manners, and are flawed theories at best. And now we're going to start paying those consequences. And again, it was, it's, it, it's always been pretty inevitable that you get to where you are. And these consequences of free money and bailouts and all these type of things, they all sound great. Modern monetary theory, remember that whole thing? Haven't heard much about that lately at all once it created massive inflation and nobody wanted to hike taxes. But higher taxes are coming. That's just a function. Now, a lot of these things, you know, potentially will get repealed, reversed, you know, after the impact hits. Everybody will figure out, it's like, oh, that was a terrible idea, let's fix this. Demand for non-green green energy is going to continue to rise, which is going to be, you know, kind of thwart the whole problem. And again, just as we, we, as we go down these pathways, we'll figure this out. And, it's, and it's, as is always the case, you know, moves that are made that are politically driven. And look, you know, why are companies producing EVs, right? Because that's what the government's demanding. If, the government, if governments weren't demanding the shift to green energy, comp, you know, car companies wouldn't produce EVs because there's not a lot of demand for them. But this is the narrative. And as soon as that narrative changes, pff, they'll, they'll stop making EVs. They'll make whatever is the next thing, right? So if it's hydrogen power or propane or whatever it is, ultimately, then they'll go to make, back to making those. But, you know, this is just, the, you know, that's a supply demand amount. So, by the way, you know, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act added $7,500 tax credits for EVs. Awesome. So rich people can buy EVs now and get a $7,500 tax credit. Ford just raised the price on their Ford Mustang Mach-E by $8,000. So there goes your credit. But again, that's not surprising either, right? The government's going to give you something. And this is what we talked about before. Hey, you want free child care? Awesome. Government's going to give you money for child care. So they go do an evaluation. They say child care costs $2,500 a month. They're going to send you $2,500 from the government for you to pay your child care. Awesome. And then all the child care companies raise their cost for child care to 4000 
But that's the unintended consequence, right? Always the case. But all this results back into more and more debt. And the interesting thing about more and more debt is, is that we're creating inflation in the short term by giving people money to go out and spend, right? Giving them tax credits, you know, rebating college fees, whatever. Giving them all more money to spend short term, which is creating inflation because we have too much short term demand for the supply that we're producing. But the long term dynamic is deflationary because of the debt. Slower economic growth, lower levels of economic prosperity, less inflation. So it's a very interesting conundrum that we're putting ourselves into as we go down these roads. And it's all pretty clear. Again, you know, you don't have to be a math whiz to figure a lot of this stuff out. And most people understand what the consequences of debt are. But at the same time that we understand what the it's it's very interesting that people understand what the consequences of additional debt are and they understand the consequences of doing these type of actions. But at the same time, they're going, give me my share with the other hand, because, well, if you're going to give the money out anyway, I might as well get my fair share. Right. But this is why elections are important. And. You know, it's interesting as we go back to that Pew Research poll is, is that 30% of Americans are getting fed up with both parties. You know, the decisions coming out of both parties are not good economically. They're not creating better economic prosperity. They are not creating safer cities or neighborhoods. They're not creating better work environments. They're not creating anything that's actually better. In almost every instance where the government has inserted itself, Things are markedly worse. And we keep voting for the same people. Be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. Pennsylvania park goers stunned to see young girl walking an emotional support pet named Wally. So, Wally. Yeah, it's it's not a little robot. <laughs> 
Wally. Uh, yeah, it's an alligator. Apparently, you can register any pet as a emotional. So there should be some laws around emotional support pet, right? No if it kidding. scares the crap out of you, it should not be considered an emotional support pet. I mean, I'm just. Which speaks or, to the severity of the emotional issues. Or, or if your pet will consume other human beings, it should not be an emotional support pet. There I mean, you, that's there just, you go. Or you. No. <laughs> One of the two. Emotional support pet. You know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there was. Did you see that? Uh, there was a news article, I guess, a year or so ago, where people were just going kind of haywire and they were taking all kinds of pets on airplanes. Oh, yeah. It's emotional. A guy took a peacock mm -hmm. onto an airplane as his emotional support pet. I mean, <laughs> at what point did the airline just go, dude, seriously, <laughs> take your peacock and go home, <laughs> right? Have you thought about driving where you're going? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even small dogs are enough, right? I mean, yeah. just, you know, I, look, I love my pets. I've got, you know, I've got two dogs. Mm -hmm. Very, I love my dogs, and they're, they're great, but I don't need to haul them around with me everywhere. Just, <laughs> I'm emotionally unstable, but I don't need my dogs everywhere I go, right? Just kind of a, a but I, don't know where, I don't know where the train went off the tracks at some point, but we need to get the train back on at least one of the rails, right? Just... Sort of back on the track. <laughs> Jesus. Just amazing. Sale of Mickey Mantle card breaks all records for sports memorabilia. That's pretty incredible. You know, it's like, I, I want to know who the guy had that, that's sitting around going, I've got this Mickey Mantle card. I think I'll put it up for sale. It's been holding on to it for a while, I think. Yeah. What was the final sell on that? It's in the millions. Yeah. Like pretty. 90 million or something ridiculous. 12.6. Okay. 90 million. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I look at so many articles this morning. I, the oh, numbers gotcha. all blur together. Still 12.6 million yeah. for a Mickey Mantle card. The A mint condition Mickey Mantle baseball card sold for 12.6 million on Sunday, making it the most expensive piece of sports memorabilia in history. The 1952 card is widely regarded as one of just a handful of near perfect cards of the baseball legend. It was bought in 1991 for $50,000 by New Jersey Waste Management entrepreneur Anthony Gordino, Gordano uh, at a New York City show. So he paid $50,000 for this card back in 1991, and here it is 30 years later cashing in for $12 million. Now, that's, that's a decent appreciation for an investment. Yeah. That's not too bad. I'll have to go back and run if you put $50,000 <laughs> in the S&P where you'd be today. That'd be an interesting chart. So, But still. Not not a bad investment if you can do it. Uh, there was a, there was a you know, but people do this all the time. You know, people buy it. Like there was an article over the weekend where this young couple they bought this house. They're gonna buy this house and they're gonna fix it up and and rent it out. They're gonna turn it to an Airbnb. And there's this kind of rundown house next door to it. And they were really kind of worried about this. It had been it had been, it had been abandoned like for 20 years. This house had been abandoned, just kind of all run down. They were just, and, and it kind of faced the front door of their Airbnb, so it wasn't very appealing. So they went and they tracked down the owner and they made an offer to buy the house for like 200 grand or something, mostly just paying for the land value. Anyway, so they went into the house and they found all kind. the house was completely left furnished and whoever was there just literally just like walked out. And they went and found all this, you know, these antiques and like twenty five, twenty eight thousand dollars worth of stuff in the, the the this house that they wound up selling online and doing other stuff. So, you know, wow. but people do that all the time. They you know, they find yeah. a painting in the attic that's mm -hmm. worth you know like some 
piece of scratch painting. I don't know what it is. It turns out to be some famous Rembrandt that has been missing for decades or whatever. So I guess nothing turned up when you moved? No, nothing. No. And see, that's the problem. When we move, we just throw everything out. So ah. it's like, you know, if you haven't touched it in six, we have a rule when we move. If you haven't touched it in six months, it's, it's out, right? So we, we have, that way we're moving less crap around. Yeah. So we, we just move basically to have spring cleaning. That's, that's pretty much what it comes down to in our household. So, you know, we accumulate too much stuff and then we move and spring clean. Time to move. <laughs> So there was a there was a, a video over the weekend. This lady's uh, talking about she's there's this big giant spider on the on the wall, and it's and she's from Australia, so you know they have these big massive animals all over Australia. Anyway, there's a big giant spider coming down the wall, and she's like, "Let me show you the proper way to capture a spider without harming it." And then the scene <laughs> flips, and there's a guy like torching the house. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is the case. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, if I see a spider as big as my hand, yeah, I'm just going to burn down the house. That's, you know, that could have been an emotional support spider. It could have been, but it it would. It, but it, it's yeah, not. It's not <laughs> crispy critter. <laughs> but I mean, there's people that have like emotional support snakes, and on, yeah, there was a there was a video over the weekend where there's a lady in line at McDonald's, and she's got her hair up in a bun, right? And what's holding her hair up in the bun is a snake, <laughs> a live snake in her hair. And she's walking around with it at McDonald's. What is wrong with you people? There are certain things that are not pets. Spiders, snakes, alligators, lizards, alligators, anything of the prehistoric relationship. You leave that crap alone. It's not a pet. Anyway. Those big beehive bouffant hairdos, those were scary anyway. You never knew what was in there. Well, now you know there's snakes in there. Yeah. That's, that's what's in there. Apparently. Anyway. Her name was Medusa. <laughs> I guess she was trying to pull that off for Halloween. I'm not sure. <laughs> Dress rehearsal. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, get ready to wrap up the show here. A couple of things. Um, now that we had just a few minutes of... <laughs> I don't even call it mirth. I would just call it diversion. Because look, it, we have to, we had to have a little bit of, of diversion because everything else is just crap this morning. I mean, it's like everywhere you look is like you know markets are down, economic data is down. So anyway, got to do something to we, distract. We, we researched the show before we come on the air, and I do a Google search of trending topics yeah. and stuff. It was garbage. It's it's uh, okay. What 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 are your top Google trends? I guarantee you, they're all like. Who's married who? Who got who pregnant? And, and which social media star is doing who what? Who had a nipple slip at the VMAs? That yeah, was the top that was, search item. That was the top search. Yeah. See, important stuff. This is what we search, right? We have, we were talking about last week, we we're talking about, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica's and like yeah. when we used to read, you know, National Geographic and encyclopedias and those type of things. And now because of the internet, we have the world of knowledge at our fingers. We could literally be the most intelligent people on the planet, but yet our top searches are a nipple slip at the VMAs. Einstein would be very disappointed. <laughs> he is spinning in his grave. <laughs> no, he just, he's just shaking his head at this point going, you know, I gave you everything you needed to know, and this is what you did with it. Anyway. So market sentiment is uh, clearly negative this morning. Futures are down about 1% across the board. And as we said before, this is all kind of 
you know, really kind of related to the comments, not by just Jerome Powell over the weekend, but by really a coordinated cadre of central bankers. And again, this is that whole Jackson Hole Summit thing that goes on because, again, they all come together and they're all kind of coordinating monetary policy. And what's the big concern right now? Mm, too much inflation. What's inflation being driven by? Lots of bad decisions that you made. Too much money in the system. This coordinated push towards green energy, which is causing, you know, all kinds of supply disruptions. Of course, the Ukraine-Russia war. Very interesting, very interesting, by the way, is that since the Russia-Ukraine invasion, and remember right after that, in response to Russia's attack on Ukraine, the president and Congress, etc., vowed to isolate and cripple the Russian economy. And we banned all their exports and nobody was supposed to buy anything from Russia, blah, blah, blah. However, headline this morning from the Libertarian Institute. Moscow has been able to maintain the economic strength in part by exporting over $1 billion per month in wood, metals, food and other goods to the U.S., More than 3,600 ships from Russia have arrived in U.S. ports since February 24th. So we've imported about mm, roughly, give or take, $6 billion worth of goods and products from Russia since the the war, right? We're supposed to sanction them and, and not buy any stuff from them, but we're buying a lot of stuff from them. The number of Russian products entering U.S. ports suggests that the president is falling well short of his pledge to isolate Moscow's economy. Do the so-called wind-down periods that allow companies to complete previous deals. Some of the goods continue to enter the country long after the White House announced sanctions than these products, including oil and gas. And, and this is interesting now because, again, if you take a look at what's happening in Europe, you know, my son lives in Germany, and we just had we were just talking about this, you know, yesterday as well. You know, the problem in Europe is the impact of natural gas. And or and the lack thereof, particularly with LNG and others. And so this is also, you know, on top of the inflationary pressures that you got from the economic shutdown and all this free money, etc. You also have this problem with energy prices. And as winter sets in in Europe, it's going to get really bad really fast. And that's going to have a much more important impact when combined with the ECB becoming much more hawkish on their policy. So again, we're definitely not out of the woods just yet. Potentially may get worse as we get until later this year, but we'll keep you up to date on all this. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Our daily commentary is out with today's market outlook, um, trading updates, etc. That's all in our daily commentary. Make sure you're subscribed right there on the homepage. We have a new homepage for you. Easy to get to our subscription. Subscribe to the ones you want. Newsletter, daily commentary, videos. It's all there for you. Really easy to find our latest videos up on the website as well. Realinvestmentadvice.com. See you tomorrow. It's a rich man's world. It's a rich man's world.